Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Had, they had there. posters of everybody who came in. Yep. They, they, they went out and found I the movies and, and they're all signed and it was just such a nice atmosphere. <laughs> that is correct. It was and a, now it's a good spot. fish place. Or something. Now it's a fish place. But, but so you met her, did you ask her out while she was working? Hour even then, I left and called this restaurant back. Oh, oh, I left my. Uh... Hi, uh, I'm the I'm the guy who uh, just had the omelet. Yes. And she, well, I've been there for five years, so she knew. Oh, oh she my knew. God, you are a regular. Yeah. Oh yeah, I was in. She called me P seven because you sat in P eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, she must have like really wondered oh, who much. you are. <laughs> You know, I, I met uh, Jeff Bridges years ago for a, a project of, of mine that unfortunately did not happen. And he was, he, was on the, he showed me a picture, and it was him from across a restaurant uh, in about 1970. You'll know exactly when I tell you this, um, talking to a, an attractive waitress. And he was doing Rancho Deluxe, and they were having breakfast at this diner, and one of the grips was there and had taken a picture just because it was Jeff. And it was Jeff Bridges speaking to his wife for the first time. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Great. <clears throat> that was... Married her. Yeah. Yeah. Still, still with her. But, uh, well, that's great. Well, I thank you again for, good Lord. Oh, listen. Well, let's see it, how he does first. That's thank true. you. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> Jesus, give the guy uh, a grade at the end. He'll, let him get out the door before you do it, too. Oh, it's the strangest thing. My, my, um, I'm, I'm, I mean, relatively new. I've been married for three years. We've been together six. My wife enjoys movies, but she's not a, you know, it's not her life. It's not. Yeah. Uh, uh, and she, uh, just the other day, she came home from a gathering at, um, she, a friend of hers, took her to Ivan Reitman's house. Yes. And he does screenings. And she came home and she said, Hey, have you ever seen that Jackie Brown movie? She's never. <laughs> <clears throat> she is so. She's in New York this week, which is good because she would have made me bring her. She's so <laughs> in love with you. Oh, God. I'm grateful to her. Tell her uh, I appreciate her. And, uh, and, uh, that's all I can say. You know, you, uh, It's a good part and a good it's picture. A, yeah, yeah. Good part and a good picture. <laughs> Thank what you. Do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Thank you. No, I, I'm with you. Tell me when you're going. I don't want to drop any jewels here before. No, you can say whatever you want. Uh, oh, well, yeah, yeah. There's, if, and he, no, are you ro- if he's ro- only if he's rolling. Hey, look, I'm one of those guys. That says, if the camera isn't rolling, why do it? This <laughs> is great. Are we? You I'll, are rolling. I'll, t- I'll oh, tell you I who apologize already. He's always rolling. Fantastic oh, story about a, a very big producer that a friend of mine worked with um, many, many years ago. And and the producer came to the set of this film they were working on, and he had a camera crew with him. And I guess they were shooting some EPK stuff. And he would walk up to members of the crew, and you know, he'd come up to the grip. And this is a big, giant, famous producer, and the grips would look up, and he's coming towards them. He's like, wow, and the 
producer would come up and he'd go, hey, how are you? What's your name? Are you having a good time on the show? How's everything? And the guy would go, oh, yeah, thank you. And just in mid-sentence, he would just turn and walk away because he had gotten <laughs> the footage he needed being chummy with the crew. God, am I a good guy? I, I talk to people. Yeah, look at me talking the, to the way below. Me, look at me talking that. to the crew. Yes. <laughs> but he did it over and over and over. He'd just walk away in mid-sentence. Well, time is money, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, two guys back. that have met budgets, I can tell. <laughs> yeah. And budgets have met us. So, but I, I, I move is my problem, and you can't do that. Well, at least you don't have a squeaky chair. That's true, as far as we know. Um, Why don't you just go into it? just go? I know. It's, it's <laughs> We're still figuring this out. We this, are, is, this is a podcast. People it's a podcast. Can tune yeah. into this and listen for the rest of time. That's, That's right. Correct? Yep, for free wow. on the on the digital internet. Wow. Hi, I'm Josh Olson, and you're listening to the movies that made me, the official podcast of Trailers from Hell. And we are here this week. We're so thrilled to have you. Um, I, I don't even, you know, we, we just jumped into it. I didn't ask if there's anything particularly you want to plug in, but I mean, my God, we've got Robert Forster here. What else? Oh, God, it's great to be. <laughs> what overrated. else needs to be? What said? else needs to be said? <laughs> you gents. Well, I know. Two gents. I know a question I was going to ask. Him. Oh, okay, fine. If uh, well, Holland Drive had actually become a TV series, yes. Mm. What? What was what was your role going to be? Because you're in one scene. I uh, yes, of the movie. I am. And did you notice what kind of billing I got? Yeah, gigantic. Billing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was so surprised when I saw it. But David Lynch called me. Uh, it was uh, after Jackie Brown, just I guess after Jackie Brown. And I picked up the phone. I was in the kitchen. I had a cell phone by then. Wow, what a thing this is. <laughs> and I uh, and I said, he said, this is David uh, David Lynch. I said. Oh, David, hi. He had tried to uh, um, get me to do a show uh, prior uh, um, uh, Twin Peaks, and I was busy at the time, and then so I uh, demurred. And uh, anyway, he says, well, I'm going to shoot this movie, Mulholland Drive, and I'd like to have you play. And it's not a movie, it's a television show. And I said, oh, man, I really, I thought maybe I got a shot at movies now with Jackie Brown. I figured... Let's, uh, you know, take our shot at movies and, and not get caught in television. He says, don't worry. He says, when I want to use you, I'll, I'll use you uh, sparingly and we'll make arrangements with your agent. I said, oh, wonderful. I called the agents. I told them we got a shot with David Lynch. They made the deal. I uh, shot the uh, the one scene. Um, there's a good David Lynch story attached. I won't give it to you unless you ask for it. And uh, and when I uh, and when I saw it, it had already been, um, I guess, turned down by uh, ABC, ABC, and he had shot new stuff and he made it into a movie. And here I was with gigantic billing in this movie <laughs> that I was in only one scene. Now, the good story about David Lynch: the shoot, the scene I shoot two half. Two half days. One is a half night and one is a half day. The half night was up there on top of Mulholland Drive, and I start the scene by 
uh, looking out over Los Angeles. It's a long shot. I come across the road. I talk to a cop. I dismiss the cop and walk out of frame, or maybe they come in close. I forget what it was. After the first take, David comes over to me and says, do it slower. Okay. Now, you know, I do it slower. We start on the other side of the street. We come across the street. We talk with the cop. We do it slower. He comes over to me and he says, do it slower. <laughs> God, I'm saying to myself, all right, you know, I can justify that. What the heck? I'm Is this David Lynch? I'm going to justify whatever he wants me to do. He comes again after that take and says, do it slower. Now I'm saying to myself, shall I say to him, you know, this doesn't sound believable to me. I cannot quite say it slowlier than that and, and believe what I'm doing. And uh, But I decide uh, discretion is uh, the best part of valor, and I say, do it the way he wants you to. Years later, I realize that I am in a dream. <laughs> Years later, without saying why, he said, do it slower, and I did it slower. And there you go. You listen to the guy you believe in, and uh, and everything turns out all right. It's a well, great movie. It did there, yeah. <laughs> it's actually, it's one of Joe's favorites. It is. I love it. But what's, what's funny is, you know, we've never worked together, uh, and yet we have our, our, our positions have been so close at various times. When you were shooting your John Sales movie, yes. Alligator. Yes. Uh, that was a movie that he was writing at the same time he was writing The Howling. Yes. And in fact, we would go to his crappy little motel room that they. Oh, is that the from. other one he was typing and on in that and, story? And, and he would uh. he'd be typing, and and you'd knock on the door and say, "Who is it?" And we'd say, "It's the guys from The Howling." Just a minute. He'd pull the paper out of the typewriter, put the put the other paper in, because whenever anybody came in, he was always working on the other picture. <laughs> the and other I'm, guys. I'm convinced to this day that one of your dream sequences is in my movie. And one of my dream sequences is in that movie. Well, I don't know exactly how they occurred, but I know that Louis Teague was enamored with a dream sequence. I don't know whether he was the uh, the instigator or got your idea from John Sayles. Well, we were all pretty close because we were all the Corman group you know corman i yeah. did a lot of things for corman i know you were yeah. when i was in doing fact, trailers you were doing lady in red lady in, lady red, in right? red yes for which i was not billed with lewis um also I, john sales you weren't billed i didn't remember that. I, I was not billed i uh, told lewis i had worked with him second unit on uh, avalanche he was second unit director and uh, he said listen i got a project i said he said and i got it and it's a, not a big pro nothing but would you uh, and i said sure and when he sent it to me, it was a nice little part in Lady in Red, and I said, sure. And then I told my agents, and they said, you can't do that, it's too small, and da-da-da-da, and da 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 And I said, look, I'm going to show up on the guy's set. I'm going to knock this thing off, and, and nobody has the wiser. And so it is a lovely little nothing uh, in a real nice picture, uh, and it was, a, it was a gift to me from uh, Lewis. Yeah, no, Lewis is a good guy. Um, I, I would, this is terrible. I've never felt so torn, uh, uh, as, as we discussed the, the thing we don't do on this show is we, we, we don't interview you about you. We don't care about you. <laughs> yeah. It's not, How tragic. it's not, <laughs> it's not supposed to be your usual interview it's not where, to be your where usual. you get career questions. Don't worry. But, it but is. I want to hear about you two guys are doing day. a lot of the talking. Usually <laughs> I do, do not stop. See, ask me one question but, and I do not quit. <laughs> but we like, we like to get to, to you through other means. Um, in fact, you and I discussed this, uh, early on, um, 
you came in ready to talk about kind of the actors who inspired you to become an actor along the way. And uh, uh, that, that's sort of. Or, or the movies that, that the made me into an actor. Sure. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, well, I frequently say, and it is quite true, that at least 50 times during my growing up, my mother said to me, Bob, you're going to grow up to be an usher in a show. I wanted to go to the movies a lot. I went. To, I had a local theater that changed bills three times a week, two days, two days, and three days, and uh, the Lincoln the stinking Lincoln, as was known by the by the kids who went there. Uh, but I saw an awful lot of movies, and I saw most of them for twenty six cents. I remember. Uh, yes, that's. I'm. I'm. Yes. I guess I'm. It was twenty five cents for me. Twenty five. Where, where was cents? it? Rochester, New York, uh. Uh, neighborhood place. I even went to a movie once for eleven cents. I don't know why, <laughs> but for eleven cents they showed you a double feature and pluses. Wow, um, I, you guys are making it feel my 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 go to when I think of what a movie costs, it's three dollars and fifty cents. Three fifty. Yeah, but you it's twenty six cents. Twenty six cents. Yeah. A right. penny was uh, I don't know what that was. And then when penny. I was in college, it was a dollar twenty five. Yeah. In Philadelphia, so I mean, it, it's it just it just kept growing. Yeah. And and, and it was funny. The movies were better then. Even <laughs> <laughs> we weren't paying anything for them. Well, and and the popcorn was a dime or a nickel. Yep. Um, but the movies that made me love movies were the cartoon movies. Uh, mm. Bambi, uh, uh, Pinocchio, Song of the South. Great movie. Movies that made me say, God, I love these. Boy, I love these. And uh, and so uh, I've always loved uh, animated movies and, uh, you know, probably have seen many of the recent ones uh, in, over the years. Uh, they made me love movies. I can remember the movie that scared me the most, and I was at approximately 11 or so, and I think that must be the age at which people are most scared. After that, they realize how movies are made, and they realize they aren't real and all that. But I was grabbed by the thing. The Thing from Another World. This is the spot where it was first seen. And these are the first people who saw the thing. How did it get here? Where did it come from? What is it? Mm -hmm. If anybody remembers the black and white movie, and oh, boy, yeah. when that sure. dog falls out of the, the cabinet, when the guy's ha hand gets crunched in the door, and they say he's like a vegetable, like a carrot. Like a carrot. <laughs> oh, God, no, don't. No more of this. Uh, and, uh, and I remember the movie especially that made me ask myself the question, what is the relationship between men and women really all about? Swept away, the, the original. Wow. Anybody remember that sure, movie? Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of movies that stand out, but those, for those reasons, uh, have been uh, uh, the ones that, I, uh, that really gave me something. Or but actually, I'm, I'm, me. you're sitting in a room with probably one of 28 people on the planet who've seen both versions of Swept Away. So. <laughs> uh, well, uh, most have seen the first version. Yes, don't swept, you? Yes, yes, yes. swept no, Away absolutely. and Swept Away. I, I think, but I think the second one did, it did an unbelievably small amount of business when it came out, and I was yeah. actually I was actually in the theater watching it. I don't know why. Um, uh, what Do you remember the, the moment, though, that uh, sitting in a theater, you, you saw someone on the screen and you went, I want to do that? Yes. I was a senior in college. Uh, the beginning of the year, I, I had, the very first day of the beginning of my senior year at the University of Rochester, I pulled into a parking spot, and in front of my car walked a beautiful brunette. 
She was wearing a black London fog raincoat and high heels. I leaped out of my car. I followed the girl. I was trying to think of something to say. She walked into the auditorium. I followed her into the auditorium, trying to figure out how I was going to meet this. And they were doing an audition for Bye Bye Birdie. I had never seen the movie, and I hadn't seen the play, but I had seen the trailer to the movie, and I knew it was about a guy with a gold suit who did a parody of Elvis Presley. I said, that's how I'm going to meet the girl. She's in the play. <laughs> I auditioned for the part. I never knew what an audition was, but I auditioned for the part. They didn't give me the part of the guy with the gold suit. They put me in the chorus. I said, nah, the hell with that. I don't want to be in the chorus. <laughs> but, Bob, if you stick, you'll meet the girl. I did stick. I met the girl. Later, I married the girl. We have three daughters. Wow. Uh, I wasn't kidding. Oh, that's, a, the, that's a made-up story. It could that be, can't but, be true. But it, it could be. <laughs> no, it isn't, truthfully. The end of the year, of the same year, my senior year at the University of Rochester, somebody comes up to me and he says, I would, I'm directing a one-act Irish comedy. Would you like to play the hero? Now you're talking, I said to myself. Yes, I said, sure I will. And that was the first time I did any actual acting. And there's stories about it, but I won't bore you with them. Um, in the same 10-day period, I finished doing that play and I had thoughts about, gee, how you do this? It's not as hard as I thought. You have to learn the words, of course, but you you build the scene. There's some, you do something, there's an action, somebody says something that reminds you. It's not so, it's not just memorizing a set of words on a page. And I discovered that. And I also heard on the radio a guy I don't remember who it was doing Trouble in River City from The Music Man. And I was mm. transfixed in my car. I was going to see a girlfriend. I didn't even get it out of the car to go to say hello to her until the thing was over. And I had sat for a couple of minutes. I said, I didn't know they put words together that good. Uh, Trouble in River City. Why, well, sure, I'm a billiard player. I'm mighty proud to say I'm always certainly proud to say it. That speech. And in the same moment, on a Thursday night, because I didn't have Friday classes, I saw a movie called The Great, um, with uh, Tony Curtis, The Great Imposter. Oh, The Great Imposter. Anybody? Yeah. Re mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. Well, I knew that I was not as smart as the the real guy that Tony Curtis was playing. Fred DeMara. Yes, and I knew that I was not as smart as or as resourceful or as inventive or whatever it took for this real guy to do his thing. But I said to myself... Hey, I could do what that actor did. How hard could that be? Kids can do it. And from that moment on, I went to my father and I said, Dad, I don't think I want to be a, a, a lawyer. I think I want to be an actor. My father, who had spent the 1930s on the Ringling Circus as an elephant trainer, did not miss a beat. He said, I think you could do that, Bob. And so off I went to New York City, didn't, not knowing there are this many actors and this many jobs. <laughs> I said to myself, ignorance is my, not then, but now, ignorance was my very best pal. Uh, not knowing what was coming and not knowing how uh, the, the thing was stacked against you. I just went to New York. I don't know how. I, f I met a girl. She wanted me to do a scene with her. We did the scene for her class. She said, well, I do it for an agent. We went to the agent. We did the scene. The agent came over to me and says, are you represented? I want to send you on an interview. I went on the interview. I get a, a reading. I get the play. I'm on Broadway in 1965 in a two-hander called Mrs. Daly Has a Lover. 
this kind of story I realize is, uh, it makes people mad. Uh, but, uh, other actors, I'm so sorry, but, uh, you know, I, I had a, a good five year first act to my career and a long dropping second act to my career, 27 years worth. And then finally Jackie Brown gave me some loft and, uh, and it's been 20 years since then. So it's been a fabulous life. I cannot tell you how, uh, how grateful I am to have, uh, stumbled into what I'm doing. I think we can say with some certainty this is our first guest whose father was an elephant trainer. Uh, yes, I'm pretty sure. I'll have to double check. But uh, <laughs> almost. That so I love that. I, I was expecting some sort of, you know, I saw Brando and I was touched by the hand of God. And it was looking at Tony Curtis and going, I can do with this clown. I could, well, <laughs> later, uh, a guy I know uh, got a lobby card from that and had Tony sign it and he did and i looked for the best spot in the house to put this framed lobby card and uh, finally i did find a spot i went to him and i said tony do you mind if i put this just over the bidet he said great place for it that is where it exists today that's fantastic the uh, by the way that's my in my experience the, I, I have found that the majority of oscars i have seen in homes are in bathrooms mm. Good Has spot. that been your experience, or I haven't seen that many Oscars. <laughs> but they're all when you go to someone's house. And my theory is that they they want you to know it's not that big a deal, but they want it to be somhere where you're going to see it. Mm. You're the... definitely going to see it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> everybody goes to the bathroom. Exactly. Um, uh, were there, you know, as you were sort of coming up, um, you know, I'd be interested in sort of getting your your perception of of uh, other actors as a way of sort of understanding your perception of what you do. Were there actors you looked at as you were coming up who you um, either, you know, looked at Tony Curtis and went, I can do that, or people who sort of inspired you to do better or made you realize how far you could go? Boy, I, I've been asked that question before, and I never come up with a, 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 a good enough answer. Um, Any answers? I, well, this, you know, I, I, I was pretty isolated. I, I lived in Rochester. I had a family. Uh, we had children. Uh, I was not part of the Hollywood scene. I had been, by the way, when that play was over, uh, I, uh, I did a uh, what is laughingly referred to as a screen test. They said, turn right, turn left. What do you do for uh, fun? Uh, what's your name? And that was it. And I was... Signed to 20th Century Fox by uh, Daryl Zanuck, the oh. father who was living in Paris at the time. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what various the steps were. Various mistresses. Various mistresses. <laughs> good for him, uh, or or not. Uh, but it was a different time. We we must admit that. And uh, so uh, I went out to. I married June Provenzano. We drove to Los Angeles. And, uh, and we took an apartment on Fountain Avenue. The first phone call was from John, was from my agent who said, um, do you know who John Houston is? I said, no, I don't. He said, well, he's a big guy in, in, in this business and he wants to meet you for reflections in a golden eye. I read it quick. I jumped on a plane. I flew to New York City. Uh, I, uh, I found this hotel on Madison Avenue where I'm going to meet this John Houston. I walked in the lobby and everywhere I looked, everywhere, 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 there were guys. They all looked like me. I said to myself, <laughs> this is a cattle call. I came all the way from California to meet this guy. Get out of here. And I left. 
And I walked around Midtown for a couple of hours talking to myself. Come on, Bob, you just, uh, you came all this way. Go say hello to this guy. I went back to the hotel, looked around. There were less guys. I put my name on the list. There's always a list. I, uh, I uh, waited. Somebody called my name. I am escorted up the elevator. I wait outside of a room. Somebody leaves. I'm escorted in. I'm introduced to this tall, old guy. What have you done? Or what have you done? I said, look, I haven't done much. I did one Broadway play. I don't make myself an actor. I wasn't bad, but uh, but I never did a movie. I don't know how to, I don't know how they're made. I don't know any of the tricks. But if you hire me, I will give you your money's worth. I was mad at the time, of course. And he said, Ray, come in here, Ray. I want you to meet an actor. And in comes Ray Stark, a big producer. I shake hands with Ray. I turn back to the tall old guy. He says, you'll be hearing from all. <laughs> I figured that's the end of it. You never hear from anybody. They tell you you hear from Get out of here. I went to the airport. I jumped on a plane. I stopped in Rochester to say hello to my father, the elephant the elephant trainer. trainer yes, um, and his par and his paraphernalia is seen in the background of Jackie Brown. Quentin Tarantino oh, came over to my house and he picked all those things and he <laughs> made a, a in the art department. And I still got it. It's at home. Right. Um, my father met me at the airplane and said, quick, call your agents. They just made a deal. Holy moly. I didn't know that's how things happen so quick. That was the last time a job happened that easily and that quickly. I cannot tell you how many jobs I have taken a shot at and not gotten. Over 800 or so. So did you sign a nudity clause? Oh, no. That was a moment of, oh, God, what a moment that was. I saw in the, in the script that it said, rides naked on the horse. And I said to myself, well, I wonder how they do that. Probably trick photography or something. And so on the day in which it happened, uh, they drive me. We're in Italy. They drive me to the set. And as we're approaching the set, here's a, a guy naked on a horse riding around. The camera's setting it up. This is the guy who they're, they're setting up the shot on this guy. And I say, wait a minute. I can do that. I didn't want that guy to take my thing. And that's when the moment hit me. Bob, if you're afraid to do this, you just better quit this thing because uh, you you cannot move you cannot go forward as an actor if you are afraid of this or anything. The uh, the cost, costume department gave me a a, a roll of flesh colored tape and the little triangular V out of a jock strap and handed me that. This was for my for my uh, uh, modesty. And I tried taping this thing on, jumped on the horse. After a couple of rides around uh, for the camera, the thing was loose and, and wet. And the horse was, I threw it in the bushes and kept on going. And that was the moment at which I said, if you are afraid, don't, don't continue. You cannot be afraid. And uh, there you go. That moment was uh, important to me. Well, how did you feel when you found out who else was in the movie? Yeah, and by the way, do you want to... Some of our listeners might not know. So uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Marlon Brando, <laughs> big go. names. Yeah. They were both big Julie names. Harris, Brian Julie Keith. Harris, Brian Keith. Yes. I mean, I guess. So had you at that point? Um, obviously, you'd seen Brando. Yes, sure. Were you? I I I tell you this. I said to myself, "Boy, aren't these people worried about me? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They couldn't be worried about her or him." The only guy they had to worry about was me, and I wasn't worried. So I said to myself, uh, uh, if anybody has to worry, it's them about. So 
but I was not, I did not seem to be worried about it. And I had so little to do in the movie. I had, all I had was behavior. I had about three lines, and, uh, and they were easily done. And uh, John Huston, after takes, boy, this guy was good to me. He gave me some advice for acting in front of the camera. You want it? Sure. Of course you do. It's, <laughs> listen, this is a good one, too. Why ask? So, uh, why ask? Uh, as I said, you know, sometimes all you have to do is say, uh, <laughs> go to point B. So I... Um, after this being hired by uh, John Houston, I uh, I went back to Los Angeles, and uh, a week or so later, the agents uh, said uh, uh, they're arranging a call between you and John Houston. I'm on the phone with Houston. I say, listen, I appreciate the fact that you hired me, and I said, and I thank you very much. I said, but do you remember I told you I never did a movie? He says, I remember. I said, well, um, um, and reading my mind, he says, I'll give you some instruction. Holy moly, the guy's <laughs> going to give me some instruction. I meet him at, at Western Costume, which we used to be right by Paramount. I go straight to him, and I say, hey, look, they sent me the script, and I read it. And you have some instructions for me. What are they? And he says, but not yet, a Bobby. Okay, maybe he's going to take me to lunch. Maybe he's going to take me on a set. I have no idea, but, you know, he's the boss. I'm going to wait. And days go by and nobody calls, and days turn into weeks and nobody calls, and weeks turn into months, during which time Montgomery Cliff dies mm. and has to be replaced by Marlon Brando. Montgomery Cliff was the original guy. <clears throat> Finally, I get the call. We're going to uh, Long Island at an old military base for 10 days of shooting, and then we're going to Rome, Italy for 12 weeks Wow. I show up three days early on Long Island at this old military base. I go straight to Houston. I say, hey, look, at all summer long I've been reading this script, and you said you had some instructions for me. What are they? And he says, but not yet, a Bobby. <laughs> Boy, I don't know what he's waiting for. Now it's the night before we're going to start shooting, and everybody's having dinner. Not Elizabeth Taylor, not Marlon Brando, but everybody else in the cast and crew and I'm sitting here, and John Houston's sitting right next to me on my left shoulder, and I say, all during dinner, maybe this guy's going to tell me. Maybe t He does not, during dinner, tell, toss me these pearls of wisdom. I lean over to him, and I say, hey, look, tomorrow morning we're going to start this thing. Don't you think now's the time to give me those instructions? He says, tomorrow morning, Bobby. <laughs> tomorrow morning finally comes. They put me in makeup. They put me in wardrobe. They stick me in a car. They drive to the set. I get one foot out the back door when I hear from behind John Houston says, now's the time, Bobby. <laughs> Shoot, I say, I'm all ears. He says, go take a look through the lens. I walk over to the cameraman. The cameraman steps aside. I look through the lens. I turn back to Houston. Houston's got his hands shaped like this, like uh, like they do uh, to show a frame line. Right. He says, right. those are the frame lines. Now, those are the frame lines. I looked again. I said, you mean the line that shows the cameraman what the audience sees? He says, those are the frame lines. Now, ask yourself this. What needs to be there? <laughs> wow. <laughs> he gave me in one piece of Zen advice. He didn't tell me that I was going to have to do the detective work to figure out why the, the writer intended me to do something in this scene, this little fraction of the scene we're doing. What do I need to accomplish for the writer? He needs something from me. And the director has, maybe I'm a tracking shot. Maybe I've got to deliver some dialogue or move some props. 
he's got something that he needs from me in this shot, and i got to know what they are before the shot so that I can deliver those. And the one who set the lights wants him to be in them. And the one listening for the words got to hear them correctly, otherwise at the end of the shot, somebody in sound says, no good for sound, start again. If I do something too big for the shot I'm in, somebody behind the lens says, no good for composition, start again. If I put the cup in the wrong spot, somebody uh, says, no good for continuity, start again. You owe something to everybody on that set, and that's not the end of it. The other actor may have to do this emotionally in a scene. you got to build them a little ramp so the other actor can do this in a scene. You owe something to him as well. You want your stuff to fall as easily as physics requires. No less, no no more than physics, reality, honesty requires. And for the one who's cutting this picture together, you got to be aware of how the roller coaster of this movie is structured so that you can help uh, put our, uh, our uh, audience into a car and take a ride with us and going around the curves. If it is not believable to an audience, they won't be with us there at the end of the ride. You owe something to your audience and something to the one who's cutting this. You have to contribute to the downs and the ups and the going around the curves. And to the one who hired you, you're supposed to be ready so that you can get this thing done in one or two or three takes, whatever it takes. But you got to help them get their day's work done. You are partly responsible for their schedule. You owe something to everyone on that set. It is one of the great jobs of all time. And I remind people who uh, don't realize that you can always make better actions out of whatever it is you're doing. All you got to do is keep other people's needs in mind. It's not that hard. Actors do it eight days a week. And you learned that all by all looking through the lens. Well, <laughs> the lens. Only, yeah. only after a long period of being <laughs> on sets. But that was the germ of, uh, of what I understand about uh, what you do when you step on a set. Sounds familiar to me. Yeah, yeah. Joe's looked through that lens. Um, yes. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, but coming coming to uh, someone like Brando, I mean, you would, do you know, do you remember your first, the first time you saw him in a movie? Uh, sure. I guess I saw the men. I guess I saw, uh, the wild one. Uh, I'm sure. I saw streetcar. Uh, those are the early ones. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that stuff jumped, he jumped out to you particularly, or is it just, Oh, uh, you know, I don't know that I was that, uh, impressionable or, or okay. that, uh, whatever it was. I was, I was, you know, college student or, or, or less. And I was, uh, just trying to get by. I don't remember, uh, he was big news, though. Sure, sure. He was and big. Liz Taylor, too. Liz yeah. Taylor was especially big. And uh, they were both very nice to me. Uh, but I, as I say, I had limited uh, real, uh, exposure I, yeah. to them. My scenes were, you know, not uh, with much uh, but you got along with, But you got along with the horse, okay. I got along with yeah. the horse. The horse <laughs> and listen, I, I was uh, the only horse thing I'd ever done was 10 cents a ride around the around the thing when uh when, when it, that's kind of a that's a talent though i mean you don't just you know get on a horse and suddenly you know a good rider i must admit that though i did not uh, uh i had no real riding experience i in my mind and bareback I, too pardon me and, and bareback, bareback right? yeah 
Yeah, in Bear Bay. And, and I said to myself, if you were part of the horse and moved in the way that the horse gives you the right to move, there's got to be a graceful way of riding that will, you know, uh, not throw you off or mm -hmm. something. And, uh, and it, and it served me well in the next picture. I was supposed to be a, a, a real good horse rider and in, in a Western and, uh, and had had that experience. So it was not a mystery to me. And it was, uh, I wouldn't want to try to ride a horse. Now you're awful high off the ground when you're on a horse. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, uh, I'm just trying to, you know, in terms of sort of getting to uh, things that inspired you along the way, it sounds it sounds like you kind of sprang almost fully formed from from. Oh, I had <laughs> no idea. I, I was uh, totally without. I had no plan or or no clue when I went from Rochester. I did one play at the community theater. I had done uh, the thing at the University of Rochester, and during the summer, I uh, got into. Uh, the music man playing one of the small parts uh, in a, uh, you know, a local uh, benefit production of, of that show. And then I went to New York. So no, I had, I had no idea what it was about, but as I say, I, uh, so you never had a sort of a plan for your career. None. Things just no, happened to you. None. And none at all. Kind of the way I was. I mean, it, it happens. You, you don't know what that next step is. Well, no, be. and you don't know what's going to fall off the turnip truck and hit you on the head. I mean, no. it's just, uh, it's a business that's unpredictable. Uh, and um, you don't know whether you're going to be working or not. Oh, yeah. um, and there, sometimes there can be long periods. In between, yes, there can. And uh, you can't let that get you down because it doesn't mean that there's nothing coming up. It just means that right now, for whatever reason, um, someone else is doing what you do. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's, yes, well. But they'll never. be hit by a truck next week and then you'll be. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, were, were there, have there been along the way, have there been uh, performances you've seen in films that you're not in, for instance, that have just made you go, yeah, that's. Boy, I'm sure there are, but I, I, yeah. I think I can, listen, I find myself remembering less and less and less. Uh, but I'll tell you who I've come to like a lot uh, lately. And uh, because I'm, I didn't, I, I didn't think he, I didn't know much, but Alex Baldwin, I saw him do a picture here, I don't know, a month ago or so, and he had so many words. I hope he didn't have cards in front of him because that would, that will, that will make me feel, but he was, he is so good. He does such a good job, um, uh, uh impersonating Trump. Sure. He does such a good job. I, and so <laughs> this is a guy that somehow I didn't have, uh, uh, much feel about for a long time but recently i say to myself this guy is very good well, he's he's changed a bit because you know when he started he was sort of this generic leading man and he had the the stalwart hero parts probably yes and then as he's become as he ages and and some would say gains more character yes uh there are the parts get a little more complicated and maybe with a little touch of villainy uh, and that there's and there's there's more to play in the parts that he's doing now than a lot of the parts that he did when he was the hero. Yes, those pictures. Yeah, it's true. When I think back to sort of his prime, the I, I have to really think hard. I mean, there's huge films. The one that always comes up is Miami Blues, where he's actually playing a character instead of playing a, mm -hmm. a, a lead. And it's actually kind of weirdly it feels like a Robert Forster part in some ways. Uh, I've never seen that. Film. I never it's worry wonderful. about parts I don't get. I always I always pull for the guy who got it. Viggo Mortensen, yeah, who is 
what a good actor. And and I worked with him early in his career uh, in a. Uh, mob picture of some kind i can't remember your picture he was especially good he's um, unbelievable yes who thing. else yeah. do i uh, uh well if i say think of somebody that comes to mind but you know there's a lot of guys out there yes um boy he played a an irish gypsy in a picture and i didn't know that he was that good a long time ago 20 years ago um and he was just starting out and he's oh god why can't Joe, Irish Gypsy movies. I think he played an Irish Gypsy. <laughs> King of the Gypsies? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, but he's married to the wonderful, beautiful woman. I have a computer here. Uh, it's all right. We, uh, 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 <laughs> but, uh, but, but look, there's a lot of guys who I watch and say to myself, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's great to just be able to uh, work in good stuff because they are uh, terrific in it. And, and and it's and the material has gotten better, don't you think so, Joe? I think, I think it's certainly become more varied. Uh, you know, the kind of, the kind of movies that were being made twenty five years ago, uh, there is a certain type of movie that um, you can kind of guess what's going to happen because it's it, it, it's uh, they're well worn tropes that that people the producers think people want to see. And if it's surrounded by lots of action and blowing up things and everything, then that's like there's a whole school of thought that's like that's the kind of movies that that we should make. And and I, the the one thing that people do lament often when they come on this show is that uh, the, um, the 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 independent movies that and the the characters and the writing and stuff and those kind of movies is is more or less absent from studio movies now. That that in order to get this kind of quality. Um, the studios are much more interested in, you know, uh, visual stuff and uh, spectacle, and 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 the other stuff sort of takes a, a backseat to it. Unless, except in the independent realm, where there's less money involved, uh, and and the, the stories are tend to be about people and their problems, as opposed to, you know, people dangling from skyscrapers and 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 you know being kidnapped by aliens. So, not that I have anything against those kind of movies, but but I think as an actor, I would think that you be more attracted to a part that's got something going on as opposed to a straight arrow kind of character who's always the same in every scene. Uh, oh, sure. But, you know, I'm, listen, I got four kids and two ex-wives. I've had to work almost <laughs> any job that came my way. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure I've passed somebody, but, uh, boy, if there's a job, uh, you say to yourself, what else am I doing? What are you saving it for, Bob? Uh, let's go. <laughs> Also, as long as we're talking about this stuff, then I, there's, um, uh, I, I have always wondered, um, there's a beautiful, beautiful, I think it's, 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 I don't think it is my favorite scene in Jackie Brown, uh, where you and Pam Greer sort of sit down and have a conversation yes. about, about the passage of time Yes, and it's so beautiful and I'm, I'm watching it and not to take away from Quentin, but I'm thinking you guys must've contributed to that aside from obviously speaking the words uh, yeah and and uh, yeah. and it being personally yeah i'm sure that he uh, talked with each of us before he yep. wrote the scene or before he finished writing the right. scene he would sometimes give you hand-printed uh 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 dialogue changes uh in his own uh printing and uh, and hand it to you and um but i would say that he wrote all of that scene yep. Uh, th that I can remember. I do not remember much except that he told me. Now, look, I, 
You remember uh, uh, Schwab's drugstore? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Schwab's? Closed in 83. We miss it. Well, oh, we missed that place. But I was sitting in there reading the paper one day, and and, uh, uh, Lenny DeJohn, who you may or may not remember, came over to me, and he was looking down. I thought he was looking at the paper over my shoulder. He said, Bob, he said, I got to tell you something. I'm your friend. I said, really, Lenny, what? And he said, look, he said, you're losing your hair. You look better with hair. You better do something about it. You haven't made it yet. You better do so. I said, what do you know about hair plugs? And he told me about it. And I said, well, the next week or so, I so I was started getting hair plugs. I didn't know they were going to look awful. But, <laughs> Hey, look, you know, all I want now is, is believable. I don't, it doesn't have to be good, look great. This has to be believable. And I, Anyway, so I, uh, Quentin asked me something about that, and I said, well, you know, uh, maybe he asked me how do I feel about it or something. I said, well, I look in the mirror. It looks like me. And so I think he used that in the, in the, yeah. in the, in the picture. But, so, but that was done in in pre-conversation, uh, not, uh, uh, so that was in the script. He refined it pretty well to whatever those scenes were, and I don't remember adding much. That, that, that's actually, that is the moment that's the the line, and I realize now as you talk about it, it's just I don't think I've ever seen a film or even, you know, a talk show where where a movie star is, is just talking about that stuff. Uh, you never see someone who's had a lot of, facial work done talking in character about all the work they've had done on their face. It wasn't all that work. They were no, just, no, they were just, you know, I'm saying, or, what or I could afford or, yeah, no, sorry, It was plug. not many. It was <laughs> every other hair. You are naturally <laughs> oh, beautiful. God, oh God. But oh I mean, God. Or, or the hair or, or what have you, nobody ever acknowledges that. And to see you in that part, so comfortable in that and talking about it. I just thought it was, it was just absolutely beautiful. And just the two well, of you. You always look comfortable. I mean, yeah. that's one of, that's one of the appeals of you as an actor to oh, a viewer God, is that you look like you belong there. Thanks. Um, I can tell you this though, and you will appreciate it in the table read. We had an entire table read. I was sitting at one end of the table and Quentin was sitting at the other end of the table and uh, everybody, Robert De Niro and, and uh, everybody, everybody, Sam Jackson and, and Pam, they were all sitting on the sides. And, you know, we all got our heads into the script. And as you're reading, you read, and everybody's thinking. Once in a while, you look up, everybody's looking at their script. I can tell you this, that when I said that line, I looked up, and everybody was looking at me. <laughs> I said, oh, they've been waiting to see what that moment was going to be like. So that one, I can promise you, I had uh, I had a little, uh, what, uh, pre uh <laughs> I, I I had a shot at that line uh, <laughs> much earlier. I it's just it's lovely, and I think I think um, everybody who walked into that movie already loving you just walked out more at that moment. I mean, oh, I'm a lucky guy. Absolutely wonderful. I, yeah. It was a great part and a great movie, and uh, you cannot ask for more than that. Um, and then, as long as we're doing this stuff, what uh, uh, can you talk at all about? Uh, have we discussed this? I don't know if we agree or not. I the, the best movie. I don't know any other way to put it. I've seen in the last couple of years, the thing that I have loved the most was 18 hours long and it ran on Showtime. <laughs> the the last Twin commitment. Peaks was oh, Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. The return. The new Twin Peaks. The new Twin Peaks. Um, you well, were in it. <laughs> I, I, yes, I was in it. And, uh, and uh, as you probably have heard, yep. he does not allow anybody to see material except their own scenes. And so anytime I went to work, and I went to work variously for over six months, yeah. uh, seven months, whatever it was, uh, 
And um, and whenever I went to work, I would run into actors who had scenes that I was not in, and they would not talk to me about their scenes. <laughs> they And I uh, was requested not to talk to them about my scenes. So all I ever knew were the little specifics that may have led into the scene or and very little else. Uh, so it was as I apparently uh, Woody Allen does, but his are different kind of movies to begin with. Uh, but um, but I knew nothing about anybody else's work, uh, and uh, so it was done in, you know, that kind of isolated uh, way in which you go in there and deliver a scene that you believe is uh, is uh, leads into what they're going to do next or, uh, or hope that it does. And, and did uh, it give you any kind of... Slower. Meaningful direction, yeah, slower. beyond slower. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. You know, uh, and he took enough takes to get the variety he needed. Right. He once handed me uh, a handwritten, and then quickly somebody handed me the printed version of a scene, a telephone conversation that he just wrote there on the spot and handed to me, and uh, and I learned it quick, and we shot it in between other shots. It was a single. Single me on the telephone uh, with my brother who was dying of cancer. Right, right. Uh, and uh, somehow that little scene stands out to me as something that I, uh, you know, that I had confidence and handed me something and I delivered to it and uh, enjoyed doing that. That stands out to me as some moment. Also the moment with... Um, guy who had ridden on the motorcycle was done at night and uh oh um, um michael uh yes michael sarah michael sarah yeah. that scene stands <laughs> that out scene to me <laughs> as uh as something that was uh you know altogether fun sure and uh so everything in isolation but all of them interesting fun and or uh you know the the usual challenge which is to bang out a set of uh of of shots uh, and uh, and hope that you put something in the shop that's worth putting in the movie. Uh, you hope that you give the guy or girl uh, something worth uh, putting up there. And, um, and have you have you seen the finished thing altogether? Oh sure, sure. <laughs> I watched it, and uh, and it was eighteen hours long. And uh, you got to get used to David's pace. And so slowly it. Slowly I turned, uh, <laughs> slowly it unfolded, and I was delighted to be in it. Um, it was not the same as the first one, which no. was a phenomenon, uh, or uh, pick your your adjective, pick your Well, it was a phenomenon when it started, and then, yes. when, and then when, yeah. the, when the network said, well, you know, we, you got to solve this mystery here. Yes, uh, let's, let's know who did it. It was like, who killed you Laura Palmer? Not why he wanted it. That's not why he did it. You know, it's not, it wasn't about solving the mystery. It was about the mystery. Yes, and uh, and this one, obviously, he was able to do whatever he wanted. Which and, is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's and just it amazing. Is indeed, still about the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. continues to be mysterious. Uh, yes, and that and uh, episode eight, you know, the the atomic bomb one. That is, that is one of the most amazing. It's one of the best hours of television seen. I've ever seen. Oh, we haven't discussed it then. Somehow, I thought you were on it. Yeah, that I couldn't believe what I was looking at. That was. It's it's phenomenal. It's as close I feel like as I'll, I may ever get to knowing what it felt like. To sit in a theater and watch 2001 the first time. Oh, I know that. I yes. do too. <laughs> I, I don't. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, I knew do. it was coming by the time I saw it. But uh, I, yeah, that's I how I felt that about well. It. I was with uh, Peter, who became uh, the dentist on the, the comedy, long running comedy. Peter Bonners. Peter Bonners, who took me to see 
he had been he had seen it and he said here I, there's a movie you got to see and we uh, both uh, um, oiled up and <laughs> went to see this movie and it was wow 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 coming at you remember that sequence and that was you know it was in big widescreen great sound great you know and now I keep harping on the new version, which is no got <laughs> bad color. He's not a fan of the new. Well, they they, the they, they did a they did a retiming of the of, of the uh, of the color to yeah. make it all sort of blue and yellow, and it doesn't look anything like it did when it came out. And it's being touted as this is seventy millimeter, two thousand and one, and it's like no, I was there. It's not what I look like. It's, it looked normal. It didn't it didn't look like somebody's bad dream, but you know. <laughs> It was new. It was psychedelic. It was, it was uh, well. It was. It was actually not very successful until it became psychedelic. Uh-huh. You know, it got bad reviews. They had a terrible preview. People walked out. Kubrick was very upset. He got well, twenty was, minutes out of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but then the the kids found it and they smoked a little dope and they watched the movie and all yes. of a sudden it became a phenomenon. It I mean, did. even to the point where they were re-releasing pictures like Fantasia with psychedelic uh, campaigns. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know. Um, so I guess. The Disney organization wasn't above cashing in on drugs. Cashing in on drugs. Um, well, no, thank you. I, I, uh, I happy to have the excuse to talk about, especially Twin Peaks with you. That was uh, an amazing thing. I also, if you, I, I think for a minute in time, I know where the most uncomfortable place in all the world was. Um, my young sister, who's fourteen years younger than me, was obsessed with Twin Peaks, the TV show. Uh, when it when it aired, and a couple of years later, when he made Fire Walk with Me, uh, she cajoled my father to take her to go see it. She was at the time, I think, sixteen, and I can't imagine a more uncomfortable <laughs> five square foot area of my father and his teenage daughter watching that movie when Laura Palmer looks up at Bob lying on top of her and realizing it's her own dad. And I thought, golly, oh golly! I'm so glad I was three thousand miles away from that screening, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, well, Robert, thank you, thank you so much for your gent. Uh, I appreciate uh, coming in and uh, getting around here. Yeah, it's a it's a blast having you. Now I have to ask you where oh where because I somebody in my office asked me to ask you, what city does alligators supposed to take place in? Well, I don't know the answer, but I do know that the one of the that the first week I was in New York City, 1964, I heard that there were alligators in the sewers, right? And I said no. How could that be? And the the answer, of course, was yes from the circus. The some mother uh, flushed it down the toilet. They're down there. There's plenty to eat. It's warm. It's watery. And da 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 da. And I, I, could that be possible? Is it at all possible? And then we did the movie, and we worked at the uh, Hyperion Water Treatment Plant down by the beach. And at lunch, we had lunch with the the, the head guy there. And I said, now look at, look at me, because I want to see your eyes when you tell me this. Are there actually alligators in any sewers? And he says, well, you know, uh, he hedged and hedged. He said, We've, there have some come out of sewers, but I'm not sure they didn't walk into the sewer. Uh, so uh, he could not verify the, uh, the fable. Um, well, this is Boy, ghastly. If this is too ghastly, I'll cut it. Um, oh no, of course you 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 knew Harlan Ellison because uh, I've I've uh, met him or met you with him at uh, some of Leonard Maltin's parties. I think. Well, you guys have at least met. 
Yes. Uh, but Harlan uh, wrote an amazing story uh, um, pre Roe v. Wade, uh, and it's about a guy who, um, you know, because they used to do illegal abortions and then they would flush the fetuses down the toilets as gunga, well. Gunga. The story culminates in a guy having to go down in the under the to sewers retrieve something and finding not only the alligators that people flush, but the fetuses that they flush are now riding around on the alleviate oh. alligators and have their own horrifying little culture. And the story yeah. ends with them looking at him and calling him daddy. It's truly it hard to believe that wasn't filmed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so on that cheerful note, cheerful. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bobby. Thank you very much. We are lucky kids. Our show was recorded in Hollywood, California at Crossroads of the World. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the Movies That Made Me. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.